Ladies and gentlemen, this episode of the Cheatsman Family Podcast is brought to you by 804RVA. 804RVA is located at 1657 West Broad Street in Richmond, Virginia. It is the next generation of work. It is a place for freelancers to co-work. 804RVA is passionate about transforming the way people work and encouraging a culture of collaboration and innovation. To learn more about the people, the co-workers, and everyone at 804RVA, please visit their website at www.804rva.com. What's good, everyone? This is Cheats, and you're about to listen to our two-year anniversary podcast. I just want to thank everyone that supported the Cheats Movement podcast for two years. Your encouragement, your well wishes, it means a lot to the entire crew. This episode is going to be spectacular. We've got Kelly Lemon, Michael Millions debuts a new record, and we got an interview from Hot 97's own Peter Rosenberg. So we're going to keep delivering the best podcast we possibly can. Tell a friend, man, thank you for all the support, and enjoy the episode. We see it. So right now, ladies and gentlemen, it is star time. And we would like to bring to you the stars of our show. The fabulous, the insurmountable, the incomparable, the mighty, mighty... Sheets Movement Family. Family. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give them a great round of applause. Ladies and gentlemen, we are at... 804 RVA, clap it up as a Cheats Movement yeah. podcast. Yeah. Man, it is great to be back, man. It's uh, a lot going on, but one of the things I want to start with, my brother is not here. He's, he, he's been do, making some moves, but two years ago. A friend of mine. Two years ago, a friend of mine asked me to say some MC rhymes. By my man, by the name of Hip Hop Henry, <laughs> we got an idea about starting a podcast that focused on culture and hip hop and community. And two years later, we are still here. This is our two year anniversary show. Clap it up. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Two years. Oh, I didn't know it was today. Two years. This is, I mean, this, like, we, we can do other stuff to celebrate the two years. We can make it go, like, for the rest of the year. Yeah, let's do that. But technically, like, last week, I didn't even know. Like, I didn't even know. It was somebody, I think Rich was like, yeah. is this the two-week anniversary of the show? Yeah, two-year, yeah. And I was like, nah, son, December. Oh, yeah, I remember the conversation, yeah. <laughs> and then they were like, yeah. and then Hip Hop was like, nah, son, it's, yo, this is it. This is, like, the week that we made it for two two years. yeah. So we, I mean, he's not here because he's making moves, and we're going to talk about some of those moves because Big Rich and Hip Hop Henry have a brand new radio show on WRIR. Clap it up! I feel like nobody should really clap because he's not here, man. I ain't, you know, I ain't nobody out to do. He can't but, hear it. I mean, you know. But we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. We'll talk about that before we get too farther in. We've got a very special guest that we're going to talk to. During this, the, during this show, yeah. it's been a long time coming. Long time coming. Like I, it, I don't know how to describe this young lady in regards to all the things she does in Richmond, all the things she does in the community, all she thinks she does for the culture. But we're very, very excited, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Kelly Lemon is here. Yeah, yeah, finally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Finally, a good, a good definition of young, gifted, and black. Oh wow! Black excellence. 
Yeah. Black excellence. We're going to talk to her. This is everybody that's around us, pretty much. It is. Yeah. I mean, I really, we don't, you, you know, you got to, you are who you surround yourself with. True indeed. I mean, so you got to surround yourself with good people. I mean, away from you guys, the other people I hang out with are just, you know. Bunch <laughs> 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 of scumbags. Yeah. So, we got, so we got Kelly in the building. We've got a very, very special sneak preview that's coming at the end of the show. Oh, come on. Because man. there's a new project coming out from our good friend Michael Millions. Clap it up here. Yeah. 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 So this is, this is what we did. We said, we told, so I was talking to Mike and I was like, look, we know when the album drops, we're going to have him back. We're going to play the whole thing. But he's, he's, he's kind of hot right now. He's oh. moving, double XL and all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like, we at least need one song from the album that we can play at the end as we lead into the new project at the end of the month. So Michael Millions is here. Clap it up. Let's go. This episode, we have a very special interview that we're going to play. We were able to get Hot 97 and ESPN's Peter Rosenberg on the phone. He talked to us for a little bit. That that guy. guy. That guy. That guy. That guy. That guy. That guy. guy. Can I ask why wasn't I part of that interview? You know, after the last one... Do we really have to ask? Yeah. You know, we just gonna have to. We gonna have to. Play. But can I ask honest questions though? You won't allow me to, to you know, use my freedom of speech to ask honest questions. Hey, we gonna talk about freedom of speech. You we gonna let, for us all we're gonna We're just, we're just lucky we got somebody oh, back oh, on the phone. Oh, oh, bro, just, I'm sorry. Are you touching? Are you putting nah. your foot on my sneakers? Bro? I, I would never do that. Man. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Man? I, would, I would never do that, man. So, so, I would never do that. So, man. ladies and gentlemen. You know Two year anniversary. We're about, yeah, to go, two years. we're about to go around the room, but we do have Kelly Lemon in the building. We have Mike yeah. Million in the building. Peter Rosenberg interview is going to be played. Yeah. We're very excited. Who we got around the room? What up? What up? It's the guard KB. What up, KB? Yeah. What's going on, world? This is Big Rich, aka the best of both worlds. The best of both AKA worlds. AKA working everywhere. One half of the Jordan Brothers. One half of the Jordan Brothers. Shout out to my man RT and his new and sneaker officially, project. And officially banned from TV. And officially banned from TV. <laughs> Big Rich. A Midnight Maneuvers co-host. Hey. Comic Books and Brews co-host. Hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Creeping Bruce. around your girlfriend's crib in my Jordans. I don't know, man. Banned from TV. Banned from TV. Who else we got? Mike, Mike laughs. It's the girl, Gigi Broadway. Oh, oh day. 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 The devil's advocate, BKA, the queen of the wave. Yeah. Let's go. Fall's coming. Yeah. yeah. It's cold outside. Put your leather jacket on, girl. And ladies and gentlemen, she's going to talk this episode. Uh-oh. Word? She is going to talk this episode because Jess is in the building. Clap it up for Jess. Jess. Snyder Vision. Yeah. Kelly is going to make her talk this episode. So Snyder Vision yeah. is in the building. Our, our main man, Justin, is in the building. Clap it up for Justin. Justin, what up, son? Yo, 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 yo. Oh, yeah. Justin is back. And Isa Leo's in the building as well. He's a Leo. He's a monster. Yo, what's up? He's got so rowdy last time. We had, look, we had to put, we had to, we had to calm everybody down last time. Yeah. We had to, we had to calm everybody down last time. And I, and I was telling Gigi, I don't want, I don't want Gigi to get too excited. (laughs) But I was telling Gigi that my opinion on two people in the last week has really changed. It really has. Uh-huh. Two kind of people that we talk about a lot B on this show. I will, I'll get to Cardi B. And one of, and those, one of okay. those people is LeVar Ball. Right. LeVar we talk Ball? a lot about LeVar Ball. Yeah. And like what he's doing for his son, what he's doing with the big baller brand. Is that good for culture, good for business, good for people? And I was hard, I've been hard on LeVar Ball. Right. 
but I've seen the show. Did anybody see the Facebook show? No, I haven't seen it. I don't see it. I don't. I don't care for it. But wait a minute, hold on. I don't. I haven't seen it. I don't care for it. But my my thing was you was not. You wasn't. You you never had. You didn't disagree with him at all. You was always with him, right? Nah, I I thought he was setting his kid up for failure. No, why? I really did. I really. I felt like he was putting a lot of pressure on Lonzo. A lot of pressure on Lonzo that Lonzo didn't need. Lonzo's a great player. But when you put an NBA grown man pressure by saying your son is better than Kyrie Irving and your son is better than this guy, yeah. I was like, look. But, bro, he's a father. He can say whatever you want. Yeah, but you can say that about your kids. Ain't nobody going to judge you. You got to talk to him. It also raises level of expectations that sometimes people can't kind of. Right. I thought, yeah. I, and so I, thought, I thought that was crazy. Him talking about himself more than his son, being that he's not playing, I thought was crazy. Yeah. And then I thought the four hundred dollars sneakers were crazy. Yeah, fuck yeah, they. I crazy. thought they were crazy, wild. and I thought it was a bad move. I thought he was really setting his son up for. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. No, no, in the mic. But the shoes. We can't hear you, Justin. We can't hear you. Yeah. But I'm gonna tell you why. No, no, no. I'm just saying. I'm just. What do you had an opinion on the shoes? You had a opinion on shoe price? Tell me how you feel, Justin, about this. All right, so don't get me wrong. I like Levar Ball too, but the shoes are just ugly. Like. Right. Over $400 over some shoes that's named after his son who hadn't even stepped foot. In right, hasn't played a game. Yet. NBA game yet. Jordans are like, what, 200? Uh, one? Yeah, 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 yeah. But so, it, hold on. Are they uglier than the Stefan Marbury? Mm. That's what you uh, Well, first of all, I don't know. Uh, the, Mar- the Marbury's were 1999. The Marbury's were 1999. I yeah. wish I'd bought five pairs of those right now. I wish I had them. Stephen right Berry's. Shout out. I wish what? I had them right now. Because they're collector's items now. You can put them on the market for a lot of Nobody money. No, for $10, you good. You know. But Yo, I thought you was going to lead off with his comments about the boys' yeah, comments man. about Nas. No, 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 no. That don't, that's on the show. But oh, here, okay. Here's, here's why my opinion of him is changing. Because once you watch the show, if you watch the show, mm-hmm. you really understand that he surrounds himself with family. Everybody that's around them boys is family. And, and he, nobody will bring you down faster. And he really, no, but I mean, but he really puts his family first. The way that he hand, like after uh, the wife had a stroke, I mean, horrible story about his wife having a stroke. The way that he's cared for his boys and his wife and have his way around family. You know what I mean? I know. I, You're supposed I to do that. I didn't know the mom had points for that. Right. You're supposed to do that. But, but. You don't score points for that. I think, I think he does, man. I think, because at the why? level. You do that same shit every day, right? Every day. Here's the thing. Yeah, so why is that new to you, Chi Why is a father's love a new thing to because you? Because the way, because I would have really thought that his love was based on himself. Oh, I really on, did. Bro. I thought. on himself. Oh, come on, bro. I really did. I thought he was a much more self-centered individual. Nah. And what, I, what I'm seeing now is. That dude has a big heart for his family, and he and he's just he's trying not like there's all of these people that's like F the NCAA or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. All these big systems. It's kind of like he's actually trying to do it, and when you see someone do it, no matter what that person looks like, he just happens to be a B. Try to shut their door on him and try to paint a picture of him. That may not necessarily be him, and I might have bought into that. That's what I'm trying to say. I might have bought into the system saying, "No, son, you should sign with Nike. You should go to the NCAA. You should. You shouldn't have anything of your own." And now, when he's doing it, like people is like, "Ah!" But we would like. I just feel like uh, I, I, yeah. I'm impressed by that. And I'm glad you are, me, because I mean that's just common that. stuff that a, that a man goes through who loves his family. I mean. I don't know why it's like new to you or something. Like I feel, that. but I feel like what he's doing is newer. 
I feel like well, not. Not. I'm not talking about the. I'm not talking about the caring for the family stuff, but the business stuff. He is going against a system that says you're supposed to fall in line. You're supposed to sign with Nike. Yeah. You're supposed to do the NCAA. Good for him. And now he's starting to push back on that. Yeah. And you're seeing all these big corporations be trying to personally take him down. Yeah. But he's still kind of I mean, maneuvering. The, the, dad, the, dad, the dad is smart. He, he, he used the media. He used the social media. He used everything for his well-being of his family. Right. He, he's smart. He did it the right way. Sometimes that doesn't work. Sometimes you, you go against the grain. doesn't always work out for you. But he did. And it's paying off, man. I, I mean, I, I think it still remains to be seen. I think because mm-hmm. if his comes comes in the league and gets trashed, if his shoes don't sell, like it could still be a setup for a major, major. It could be. But I think I mean, the I mean, way but, he's looking at it is he's looking at like, I got at least one more shot. Nobody says the middle boy is going to be that good. But they think that younger boy, yeah. <laughs> they think the younger boy, he's like, I got at least one more shot with uh, LaMelo. <laughs> That really can you know what I'm saying? If Lonzo doesn't pay it out, I got like, one more like, shot. It's like the most good looking of the son is like the one that they don't want nothing with. The ugly of the kids. I just like, yeah, yeah, I think I know he's hey, not. Jess, he's, you seen a chin on them boys, man. <laughs> but so so that's one. The kids got some chins, man. That's one. And then without getting without getting Gigi too upset, I'm not even gonna do it. I'm not even gonna do it. But my opinion on someone else has changed as well. Word. That we talk a lot about about this show. Yeah, and who is that, sir? I'm not gonna say. Yeah, don't speak on it. Don't speak on it, man. You know what we're gonna do though? What we're gonna do? We're gonna go. We're gonna go into a quick break, and we're gonna come back with our featured guest, Kelly Lemon, woman about town. We're gonna clap it up because we want Jess's energy. We want Gigi's energy to be 100 for this interview. Bless you. Turn me up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's Roy, yeah, I got him, main source, main course, you hardly a fixin', shit you claiming your chicken, hardly a vixen, I mean you, hardly a Harley pocket rocket your engine, lying in your memoirs, why you pretending, uh, I'm still pitching, fresh in the knife inning, computing algorithms for atom splitting, beast flows, y'all be reacting to placebos, all those before this here, Delete those, you ain't hell, what's the names? I'm authentic Calicos. You before a firing squad if you repeat flows. The bad man, trudging through the wetlands. You standing next to him the whole around, that's the best man. The wizard is witnessing all this wickedness. Beating at your confidence till it all diminishes. Punching at your dentures till you visit where the dentist is. Like whole dog and dentists, y'all know who the menace is. It's Roy. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. 804 RVA, clap it up. Yeah. Hey, so this is so this is indeed a long time coming. We have the one again, I don't know how to describe her, but we have the <laughs> one and only woman about town, Miss RVA. I don't know what you call her. Kelly Lemons in the building. Kelly, Kelly Lemons. Word up, word up. Yes. It's a pleasure, guys. I mean, like, I'm glad I get to, you know, experience all of this. This is going to be no fun. Yeah. This is going to be fun for us. Yeah, hopefully, you, you will make it through. I hope you throw a chair, <laughs> Gigi. Yeah, yeah. We're trying to, trying yeah. to fix our yeah. energy. Because, I mean, you know, and, and, and I didn't know Jess was, but, you know, you're the only female that I knew of in this crew. So, I've always been like, all right, well, you know, like, I'm the only female in my crew. So, like, you know, I yeah. feel you. Well, Sometimes you got to throw stuff. Yeah. 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 So, Trust me, I wanted there to be more, but she said no. Oh. Mm. No, I mean we've got we've got. Speaking of which, 
Carice is here clapping yeah, up as well. Carice, what up, what up? You know, don't try to, like, I am, I'm an equal opportunist. <laughs> I just want to say. Uh, but, no, no, right, you know what I'm saying? No discrimination. No, I know that's no not. not at all. But, but let, let's start with that. Um, because there's a wave that's happened nationally, right, mm. with, with women really taking charge of a lot of things in the culture, whether you're looking at, you know, if it's Shonda or Ava or Issa mm-hmm. or, like, black women, if it's Angela Rye, black women are really taking off. Yeah. And then I look at Richmond and our town and our community, and I see Anjali Moon. Yeah. I see Sam Willis. Yeah. I see Angela Patton really leading. And obviously we see Kelly Lemon everywhere. What is it right now and about this time uh, in our city, what is it about this time in our culture where you really see a lot of black excellence and black women taking that lead? I think we were just tired. I think we've been tired. That's a real but, thought right there. And, 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 and to be honest, and I've said this before, I got tired of being of trying to get invited to the table that we just decided to build the table. Mm. You gotta, oh. you gotta, you just have to do it around here. Um, you know. I, I was raised in the good good old boy networks and to be pushed over and passed through a lot of opportunities. I really, really, and I'm glad I I really said, fuck it. (laughs) You know, like I am not waiting for anybody else to make the decisions for me. And um, it's truly about how you want to live Richmond, how you want to, you know, put your passions out there, how you want to be happy, what you want to see for yourself. Everything that I do right now, I do because I want to do it. Like, it's it's nothing deep to it. It's, no, you created this movement. Nah, yo, I was bored. There was nothing to do. And I got with people that said, well, shit, let's just do it. And, um, and I think that's what's going on with women right now, um, especially black women in, in Richmond, not in RVA, but in Richmond, because they're, they're literally like, all right, if we, if we can't be at these tables with y'all, we'll create our own tables, we create our own vets, we'll do our own things. So explain the difference to me, because you, you made it clear to make a distinction, not, not in RVA, but in Richmond. Yeah, we what, live the tale of two cities. Here. What is the difference for you? Um, Richmond is, um, is, uh, is, is knowing the truth about Jackson Ward, is knowing that um, it's not Manchester, it's Blackwell. Um, knowing that, um, you know, true. super friends you know, and D'Angelo and some of those people were some of the first artists, you know, to kind of come out of here. Um, Richmond is really knowing what Sixth Street Marketplace was all about. Richmond is, you know, Richmond is historic where RVA is commercial. And that's just that's just kind of is, that, how, is, that, is I'm trying to understand is that a good thing, bad thing, sad thing? Is it's, a, some, it's a it's so, a lot of it's a lot of different emotions. Right. Um, yeah. I think you have to respect Richmond in order to embrace RVA, and I think that's the hard part. Um, with the gentrification of Churchill, with everybody moving over to Northside and to Manchester, um, to see some of these houses cost three hundred thousand dollars that you know only cost thirty six thousand dollars to the people that originally moved into it. You right. know, yeah. so all of those things. Things to me are 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 true Richmond, um, and you know you have conversations with our older generation, and you know they get excited still, you know, but they don't know about craft breweries. They don't know that we have good food here. They don't know about um, you know the fact that there's a festival every weekend. They're not thinking about those stuff. They trying to go to Second Street, you know what I'm saying? They trying to eat at Kroger Spot, um, you know. When when they think of Jackson Ward, they still think that the Hippodrome is popping. 
every weekend. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, um, you know, they they remember when Juan Condi and KDP were still on the radio. You know, like, Juan the shower Condi. song was real. So, you know, yeah. So that's, yeah. that's an interesting challenge for yourself. Very interesting. Because you, a lot like what we do with the Cheats Movement or what I do and what you do, a lot of that is seen as paving a way forward. Yeah. Into kind of what is new with, I think the challenge for us is understanding what the history has been and how do you apply that. But people, I know for a fact, between Creative Mornings and all this stuff that, like you did Creative Mornings talk, you're you know, leading charges at places like Hardywood. You're, you, so there's this uh, balancing act that a lot of us have to do that I would say is even more challenging than, say, someone like the mayor mm-hmm. who really can just embrace the new. Yep. There's got to be people that still say, oh, no, there was some historical context here. Let's talk about what this used to be when I was walking down Broad Street to do my school shopping. Yeah, and and that's kind Soul of... Soul Station, remember Soul Station? Yeah, yeah, Cavaliers yeah. Men's Shopping, you know, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, all of that. Shout out to right. my Uncle Bruce, he used to work right, at the right. Journal on Broad so, Street. So how do you do this? But here's the crazy now? thing. I'm not from Richmond. Right. You know, I'm Hampton, I'm Tidewater. Right. Um, but I moved... To Richmond in 92. Well, my parents tricked me. I thought I was coming to Richmond. They put me in Hanover. And so the first thing that I did was I learned Broad Street, Midlothian, and Pam Road. (laughs) Those are the three streets that I learned first. And then I knew, and and I don't, I'm I'm telling my age, I knew Friday nights you hung out on Lee Street. You parked on Lee Street, right? (laughs) Saturday night you was at Ivory's. All right. Sunday night you was at. Not me, but I know know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Sunday night, Sunday night you was at. Like KB is like, you know, he knows this. He knows this. Yeah. That's how I unfortunately had to find the black side of me because I was in Hanover at Atley High School and Mm. none of them ever came into the city. They were scared. You didn't go into Richmond, you know. Um, I remember when the CIAA was here, like that tournament was here. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and so to me, that's what got me excited. We were the capital. Um, Everybody in in Hampton and Tidewater was like, ooh, you're going to the big city of Richmond. And so (laughs) when I got here, I was like, oh my gosh, that's what it is. When I had the opportunity to buy my house I, keep going. Oh, I bought my house um, on um, on north side okay. strategically on north side <laughs> my mom was so against it she was like you're not gonna live over here but for whatever reason I saw this little rose that I felt that was gonna grow out the concrete and I'm damn glad that I did because again them houses is going for three or four thousand right now you know what I'm saying but I am true to what I feel the history of, of Richmond is and Again, if I can build the table and have a seat at the table, at least I'm having conversations with people now that are understanding our platform and, and our perspective. Um, Richmond Public Schools needs some work. Um, um, affordable housing still needs some work. Public transportation needs some work. And we also need to make sure that there's um, opportunities for us to buy local fresh products in the city. Yeah. All four of those things need some work. Now, is that happening overnight? No, there's still people that don't even understand that that's a problem. Sometimes RVA does doesn't even know that people are dying every day in Richmond still. But what I can do is at least say, yo, this is the story that we're seeing. 
y'all might not be seeing it when you drive back over to Chesterfield or back over to Hanover, but at least I could tell that girl in Gilpin or in Mosby, it's going to be all right. You're going to get out. You're going to get out because, you know, I'm not even from here and I'm going to make ways for you to get out. Well, so. well here's the thing. Culture helps yeah. with a lot yeah. of that. And when I say culture, I mean, obviously, finding your community, but also music mm. and, you know, the way you've immersed yourselves in two uh, kind of Richmond's emerging scenes when you talk about food culture yeah. and what you've done in that, and we'll we'll get to that. Okay. But also, we love we love hip hop on this show. Yeah, absolutely. And, and obviously, you've immersed yourself in hip hop culture, and what you've done with your team has been remarkable. I was just at Art and Noise over mm-hmm. the last holiday weekend. Yeah, it's by just yourself. By myself. Dang, nobody got the invite. Yeah, you know what I'm she saying. She doesn't like to hang out with us. Oh, that is not the case. <laughs> that is not the case. Whatever, bro. But uh, I was just there. Talk to me a little bit about how. Talk to me a little bit about how you've come to embrace this kind of this culture, this music scene, and, and it's a you it's a scene that's a little bit different from, you know, like I would say. The way the way that you and your clique do is a little bit probably a generation above mm-hmm. age wise, a generation above what me and the Cheats movement does, and then there's a little bit of a generation where Justin is or where Jess is that might even be a generation younger than that. And there's all these things, you know. Old, bro. You no, no, no. I mean, it's just <laughs> you no, know what I mean. True. That's just no, the it's, way it's, it's that true. it works. So how have you come into not only coming into the music culture of Richmond, but also coming in at such an iconic level? Because the people that you're with are icons. I would definitely like to interject. Go ahead. Give him the mic. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. No, come on, bro. So, 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 so. So, So go ahead. Go ahead. Right there. We're talking to you. All right. So, I'm with this program at VCU called Aspire. We Uh do community service within the city of Richmond. And for... I remember when the Aspire program started. Yes. (laughs) Yes. For one of the orientation days. Yeah. They decided to do a tour of Richmond. So like, so like they had all these tour buses, and with me being from Richmond, I'm like, yo, like we don't need a tour bus, like really. Yeah. But there's all these non-Richmonders, like people from the 757, North Carolina, mm-hmm. Maryland, Atlanta, and like, just just seeing their faces when they got off campus to go to the project housing within Gilman, within Mm. the other project housings in the east side, when I told them about how Armstrong has a daycare Mm -hmm. in their school, (laughs) everyone was like, what? And then I told them about how crime spiked up 20% within the last year. And, and they just started to realize like, wow, like there's a lot more to Richmond outside of VCU because of that fishbowl effect that VCU has. The mile and, radius that wraps around yeah. VCU. And, yeah. and and also got them familiar with the Hippodrome's history about how Richmond was the Harlem of the, the South. South. Yeah, yeah. The Black Wall Street. Yeah, yeah. I told them about Nicholas F's influence, yeah. Gill's influence. Yeah. I told them about D'Angelo too. Yeah. And some of them were like, who's D'Angelo? And yeah. then I'm like, you're too young. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but I said I said VCU because I came straight from UVA at 22, and VCU gave me my first job. Now, really? yeah. So, but this was back in 1998, and unfortunately, unfortunately, mm-hmm. VCU was considered 13th grade to a lot of people. People didn't go to VCU. It is not the VCU that it is right I know. now. I'm you not didn't surprised. even see anybody wearing VCU gear. Huh. 
-hmm. Like that was how much, it was an open air campus. It was considered a commuter school. Dr. Trani said, keep these students on campus, let's make it traditional. And he threw a large amount of money into changing the culture for the students at VCU. And you know, I was blessed to kind of be there to be a part of it. But what it did is it had us outreach to different areas of Richmond, yeah. Carver, the Carver community, the Oregon Hill community, um, you know, MCV did not mess with Monroe Park campus. Like they, they were two yeah, totally different. They really didn't mess with them until and, the campus connectors came and, along and they and, had and, some. And they changed, they kind of changed the name to VCU Health Systems. Yeah. Saying all of that to say that they also were strategic in making sure that the diversity like was major and it's crucial because i remember the statistics from a 2015 sheet even though vcu is technically a pwi 51 percent white you really wouldn't think that because there's so many different ethnicities that's the other 49 percent oh, yeah oh yeah oh yeah i mean and that's what made it unique that's what made you know the parties you know jump that's what made you want to go to the dining hall that's yeah. what made all of a sudden you went to the basketball games that and let's not even talk about the art you know what i'm saying because mm -hmm. they are the one reason that richmond is the art city that it yeah, is because of the number one ranking that they hold so talk to us about how vcu helped you connect with the with the crew that you're with now yeah. which is like i said an iconic so crew. so a lot of traditions were not here on campus and because so much money got thrown into student programmings i was on the board to bring the fall block step show inside i was on the board to create the first homecoming the very first concert who was it uh, center ludicrous the the roots, John Legend. Uh, John, remember John Legend. The very first. You're probably not gonna remember. I was this at a one. Roots Ludicrous. John Legend. You might not show. remember this you one. Was that show it too? was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, was, was the Hot Boys. Oh yeah. I was, uh, I was not there. I was not there. Yeah, that was the yeah that was the very first concert that was at the Siegel Center. But the very first concert that was sponsored by VCU was Ludicrous. Okay, and then the very first homecoming was the Roots and John Legend. I was at that one. Yeah. And so it was a step show too. Yeah. Um. So what that did, and when you're seeing how it, how it connected was because um, I got to hire Lonnie to be the DJ. Okay. I got to get skills to be the host. At that time, Danger was still making beats and still doing production. Mark was running around doing sound. Right. And so that's kind of how I met them. And, you know, I was just, I was loyal to them because that was the super friends. And when I came to Richmond, I'm just sorry, that's the first rap group that I ever knew that I could actually touch. Right. You know what I'm saying? So um, that's how, you know, I got, you know, to be with them. And then um, Jeff Capel was hired to be the very first um, the, or the youngest um, men's basketball coach. In D1 history. At yeah, time, right? at the time. Yeah, yeah. And they needed uh, somebody to kind of counteract with him. And they said, Kelly, you know sports. Can we throw you on the sidelines? And I just said yes, because they threw me on the side, called me and was like, there's no way that you can't do radio if you can do sidelines with no teleprompter. And that's how I got to Radio 1. Radio 1 hooked on. Radio 1 hooked me up with some TV gigs. And it kind of all went there. We're going to come back to this. But ladies and gentlemen, clap it up. Yeah. Kelly Lemon is here. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to take a break. We've got a lot of interesting stories about the first time people met Kelly Lemon, so we're going to get into those as well. Yeah. We're going to get into all the new stuff that she's doing because that is the exciting part about what's happening. But we'll be right back after this break. We are at 804 RVA. This is the Chiefs Movement Podcast. Yeah. yeah. Huh? <laughs> 
Absolutely. The now's dangerous, M death the flavorish. Big hip, lick your lips, shoot the savor it. Absolutely. Money a crisis, make it go. Absolutely. Now dangerous, M death the flavorish. Big hip, lick your lips, shoot the savor it. So refreshing, no regression, host the session. It's pro black, pro progressive. Wow, hey, yo, drama, hold up, sir. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop the motherfucking record. Right. I want you to Pondy replay drama. Pondy replay. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, we're at 804 RVA. We are back with Kelly Lemon. Clap yeah, it yeah, up. Yeah. So I'm going to keep it 1,000. We are having some sound issues, and we hope that this episode gets recorded in the manner that it deserves to be because it is fantastic so far. But, you know, <laughs> KB, sometimes stuff happens. Kill the sound boy. <laughs> sometimes sound boy sometimes things happen. Sometimes yeah, yeah, things yeah. happen. Yeah. And this is, so a couple of us around the room have stories about or remember the first time they met Kelly Lemon. And we're going to get Jess into this as well. This is, this is one we'll get Jess to talk on. But I lead, <laughs> I, I'm going to lead with that, and we'll, we'll go through it. Because I have a... What's the word? I, I want Kelly to tell me if this is true or not. Uh-oh. <laughs> I want Kelly to tell me if this is true or not. Because I have a thought that I think is true, but it probably, it may not be what I'm thinking. And, what I'll, and, I'll, and I'll tell you, what I'll say is, Kelly is a person that knows a lot of people, interacts with a lot of people. She's very open. She's an open book on kind of social media and some of those things. But my thought is that there is a large part of Kelly Lemon that is almost introverted. Hmm. That is kind of, there's only a handful, I would say a very small amount of people that would quote unquote know a whole section of Kelly Lemon that the world does not know. And I, and I say this because I've heard some of your speeches, I've heard some of your stories, and I see the way she moves in town, and I know that she is an open book in many ways, but I think there's a lot, a large, large section of a Kelly Lemon that people don't know. She doesn't care for you to know about it. <laughs> and so, so talk to me about balancing that, being a person that is a, definitely a public person, and there's a lot that you give, but there's a lot that you do not, like, or else I'm wrong. Am I wrong? You could be like, I'm full of shit. You're, everything's you're not wrong, but you got some of it. Like, there's, <laughs> there, um, and, and I will say this, there's some things that um, I want to tell, but my friends are like, whoa, too soon, way too soon. Um, it, it will affect the brand. Like, blah, stop. And now, I, you why know, why am I mad curious? Like, I really want to know now. Yeah, you you might know some things, but some people don't. And we'll talk about it when it, when when the mics are off. Okay. Um, and 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 I don't. And I don't Wait, mind. is this directed towards me personally? No, 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 no. Um, but what I have found out is the things that I was scared to tell. When I said them, they helped somebody. Right. And so, um, you know, I had to get out of 
whether or not I was being an introvert and being selfish with not saying some things and, and who I was helping um, when, I, when I did let some things go. Um, there's some things that people do not know about me, though. Um, and um, huh. you probably have to be a significant other of mine to know that. And, and that's a problem with, with, when I got into dating because there, were, there, there was a Kelly Lemon at home and then there's a Kelly Lemon in the streets, per to say, you know, per right. se. Um, so that is, it's, it, that's it is, interesting. it's challenging. How, how do My boyfriend you, hates it, like, hates how, it. How do you... <laughs> Balance out, and, and and you mentioned the word that we were going to talk about because it's almost now. A Kelly Lemon is a brand. Yeah. So how do you manage, kind of, a social radio host, public person, and now of not just that, a businesswoman, a brand, and then how do you balance out what you consider the other side of Kelly is? My village, number one. And then my therapist, <laughs> number two. Like I literally, before I make any major decisions, I have a crew of people that I run it past first. Um, before I type something about the way that I feel on Facebook, I run it past some people first. Now, my lives or my Instagram right. stories, I know they're going away in 24 hours. So sometimes, <laughs> right. sometimes I just go in on those because I need to let it out. But, um, you know, and, I, and I'll call it out. Me and AJ Brewer had a very long conversation. <laughs> Shout um, out, AJ. Shout yeah. out, Brewer's yeah. 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 And this has been, and y'all might know, about three weeks ago. All right. And he called, you know, I got, I, I got on the phone and I said, Joe, AJ, don't say nothing. The crew's gonna handle that. And daggone it, if the crew did not handle that situation and everything was smoothed out, everything was great. There was even a pop-up situation that happened with the whole thing. But I said, AJ, I said, we got enough people that back us that we don't have to say it because we still need dollars coming through whatever that we got going on. So, um, and that sometimes bothers me because as much as I want to be real and say, forget you if you don't rock with me or forget you if you don't you know, care what I have to say, I also do have to look at myself as a brand. I have to look at myself at what girls are looking at me. Um, I got to look at, you know, you know what men, you know mentors or who else is you know just kind of rocking with me and it bothers me sometimes I ain't gonna lie it does bother me sometimes because I'm like yo I don't want your money if you can't deal with the realness of me mm. but I also know that let's call it out I know there's some people that don't watch coffee with strangers because I'm black Mm -hmm. I know that. Mm -hmm. I know really? that. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> really? Just, just, oh, that's, no, that shocks me. <laughs> really? Yeah, just <laughs> yeah, girl. I yeah. We were still doing that here. Oh, we are. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, sometimes, but like, we are. Really? And to the point, y'all, that I thought about maybe getting some other host I'm on the show. Really? Like, nah, you know, like really, really, do we? Do I need to put somebody else up here to build the brand, to make the brand a little bit stronger? And you know who told me not to? Uh, hopefully, Matt. All day. Yeah, Matt's my guy. Shout out, Matt. Yeah, yeah all, day. Rock Matt. Yeah, all day. Rock Matt. And all so, day. and that's when I knew. Matt, right. is, Matt is your white partner. Yeah, white he's, male he's my partner, work husband. He's the producer of Coffee. Do you have to say white partner, bro? Yeah. No, because, because I, want, I, wanted to, I wanted to point that out because I didn't want people to think that there aren't people like Matt. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Matt, yeah, Matt's a great So now great I see, dude. you know, because, you know, lucky that Kelly doesn't have like me or KB or hip hop around in their crew because we just punch people in the fucking face. Yeah, but, but, I, <laughs> no shade, I got Lonnie Battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, he's not, he's not a puncher, but Lonnie be like, all right, let me say it then. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah. but, you know, it, it, it does, 
you know, I'm about to open up something for the first time, and I don't want anybody not to. Yeah, she's so, a businesswoman. Clap yeah. it up for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was, I was I was sipped off by AJ Brewer. Yeah. And when he told me that, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. So like, it's a it's a social cafe, Urban Hang Suite. Yeah. Um, and I kind of came up with that concept because right now I feel like people will socially connect through food, sports, arts, and education. And yes. if you put those four main ingredients in front of anybody, you don't have to know them, but if you talk food, sports, arts, or education, you will find something to talk about. And all day. Let yeah. Me, can I get back to the haters for one thing though? Yeah. Because all the haters. I, I want I, I want to I want to be very clear about this and I and and I want to understand it from your perspective okay. because we see the moves you're making and you there are going to be people that dislike you for oh, whatever yeah. reason. Oh yeah. Gender, race, personality. Mm. Let me ask you this. How many of those people look like you? A lot. Because that's a whole nother side of the coin that I don't know. And, they're, and, they're, and not, not to absolve white people, because white people are going to be white people, or racist people are going to be racist people, or whatever. You know, and, but there's, the, there's an element to this that people don't really understand. And, and, and look like me being women, I will say sure. that we have a lot of cattiness within, within ourselves. Crazy. So when people G-G, come G-G, and G-G, run up catty. to me, that, that shocks me, because I'm like, yo, here, yes, I'm going to give you whatever you want to learn from me, please get it, get it, and take it, and, and run with it. Um, when it comes to non-women of color I just think that they don't you know I don't I don't know if they don't understand me or if they they think I'm doing too much or oh there she is again you know what I'm saying and it's because they're not used to seeing a lot of us that challenge them and can sit at the table with them that went to school with them um you know what I'm saying that you know I've I've just I've just never understood theirs the haters from the black women you know side of things and not just women um, again i want to be men yeah, yeah. it it it's only because they really don't know me and i have been told once somebody meets me they're like yo i didn't expect that or i didn't <laughs> think that you would be that cool mm-hmm. i didn't think that you would have that you know personality you like talking to a homie or talking to a friend that i you know i didn't really know so um you know i, I used to be sensitive about it so that's something that i can say i'm a capricorn we're sensitive I'm a capricorn. Yeah, December 28th. yeah i'm january 17th i'm on the cusp yeah, yeah, yeah. um we we supposedly are sensitive that's what they say about Cheech it. Cheech is sensitive. Yeah. All, Cheech is mad sensitive. It's only, sensitive. When it comes, it's only when it comes to rich. Yeah. yeah. They, we, are, we, we supposedly are sensitive. But only, look. only room rich gets upset with. Bring and a I, dog I, in here. Let's see how sensitive you are, son. I don't like dogs, son. There was a time. <laughs> I don't like dogs, son, at all. There was a time I didn't want to be written up. I didn't want to be photo. I didn't. I, enough of Kelly. You know, like, stop, don't, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I didn't want anybody to go, oh, there she is again, mm-hmm. or I've heard her story already, or, you know, this, that, and the other. And I've had to kind of let my village again say, no, you've earned it. You know, like, you, you know, you, you have a platform, you have something that you need to say. So don't shy away from that because you don't know who your message reaches. So, um, so yeah, I don't, you know, I pray for the haters every night, specifically. <laughs> I, I, I do, I specific, specifically, um, I do, I do pray for them because you know anybody that doesn't like me anybody that wants to bring ill will to me i I do pray for them there's a lot of people uh especially two in our crew that look extremely fondly of your moves 
Jess and Gigi. I'm not making any secrets. And it's, it was to a level where I, I wondered without uh, talking to you about this, I wondered if you really truly understood the impact that you're having on young women. Yeah. And yeah. is that something, do you consider yourself even a role model in that sense? I just saw an interview uh, the other day where we were talking, and it's funny because we were just talking about LeVar Ball and doing things that he's supposed to do and people getting credit for doing things they're supposed to do. But I saw an interview the other day where uh, an activist was saying, like, every black male, as an activist talking to black men, but he was like, every black male should consider themselves a role model. Yeah. Because yeah. whether you're, you know, doing dirt in a neighborhood or you're the pastor of a community or you're just the dentist, there's somebody looking up to you. Yeah. Um, and that's why I probably haven't released everything that, you know, um, I, I have going on. But what I want to do, though, is make sure that I tell y'all how I failed, you know, like the things that I didn't do well. Um, you know, this is not this hasn't been easy, you know, and so that's why I think I'm so transparent. You know, I know we joked about Where's my closet. Just the other yeah, day. My yeah, my closet yeah. was a wreck. And it's because it was easy for me to close the door and ignore that <laughs> mess, mess in my life. Mm -hmm. But if your house ain't in order, they say your life ain't in order. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, <laughs> the depression, the fact that I had you know, I suffer from depression. You know what I'm saying? Like the, and, and I said that so casually over Facebook and. The, the, the have many people now are seeking therapy or are not you know committing suicide because of the fact that I said something so casually that is happening in my life so you know um it's dope to be you know a role model but it's scary too because I got role models that I look up to or people that mentor me to help me um but you know again as, as long as I can you know pass on Dee Dee Renee passed it to me Mm. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm always looking to pass this on. I want a family, y'all. I really, I'd mm. like to sit at home and run PTA meetings and, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> open up businesses and do stuff like that. So all, Look, all in due time. Trust yeah, me, yeah, we're yeah. learning slowly yeah, on yeah. some of that But stuff. I'm, you know, my, my eggs are scrambled with cheese. <laughs> um, so, 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 so yeah, mercy. so, again, I'm just saying, y'all, I'll be 42 in January. A lot of people don't know that either. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, again, I am I am at a level where again all I'm looking forward to is happiness and how to build my legacy and how to just continue to help people live this dope city as well, best as possible. Let's talk about the first time people met Kelly Lemon. Rich, uh -oh. you said you had a story. What was your impression of Kelly Lemon when you when you heard of her and then you actually saw her? I mean everybody who, everybody who knows me know what my first impression of her was. Okay, well let's go to the, the second impression. impression. Of every woman that I met. <laughs> let's go to the second impression. Second impression is second impression. <laughs> But it, no, it's, it's true though. But this, I don't know what's so funny. I, I'm trying to remember where we were. We weren't at Brewers though, right? No, nah, no, nah, we weren't at Brewers. This was, uh. Because I remember it. Was the too. vault? Was the vault that we was at? Was that it? Uh, yeah, you was there. You was there. That was the first time I met her when you was there. But like, that was like the second time I met you. And um, uh, K Slade was there. No, not K Slade. K Slade? I mean, no, 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 no. Fuck Yo, you heard, of, uh, oh. you heard of Elliot Wilson? No, man. <laughs> you heard it wasn't K Slade. It was. Um, you know Elliot Wilson? You know him? Clark Kent. Oh, okay. Okay. A, yeah. Clark Kent was at the sneaker show. Yeah. You were there. I was yeah, there with Devin. I was there with Kobe. Yeah. That was my first time I ever met you. I heard your name before because Devin used to talk about you like crazy. Okay. And then he was like, yeah, yeah. Hey, Rich, there, Kelly. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, all right, yeah, show me over there. And uh, Nobi and Devin were like, yeah, she bad. Like, yeah, she is kind of bad. That's funny. Uh, so they was like, yeah, you should go over there and talk to her. And I had on, 
I had on like a Nike ID pair of LeBrons, mm. like turquoise and pink. You had the same shoes on? No, I had on LeBrons that day too. Though. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. think and I kind of looked over at you, and I was like, yeah, 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 go to us. I was like, nah, I'm not gonna do that. Sitting there by yourself on your phone, I was like, nah, I ain't gonna. That's crazy. Gonna do all of that. And that was the first time I met you, and then I think the second time I met you was at Mama J's. We talked okay. for a little bit. And okay. Was, yeah. You know, I see you on the street all the time and hanging out with him. I see you all the time now. So. Yeah. I'm always that big light skinned dude hanging around somewhere. <laughs> kind of hard to miss. Oh, I'll tell you. It's not a great story, but that's how I first met that's, that's, that's the story. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. I'm glad that you told me where, though. I needed to know where. Yeah. yeah. It was at the vault or the bank. Or the bank. Whatever. It was yes. in the vault. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The bank. Yeah. Bank. Now, I, this, is, this, is, this is funny because I don't even know if she, Kelly, knows this, but Gigi came up to me one time and was like, I don't know what you said. But it was to the extent that, like, Kelly Lemon is my idol and I can't talk yeah. to her. <laughs> she told me the it same was the thing, too. Shit. She told me the same it thing, was like, too. But this was not, like, a long time ago. This was, like, less than a year ago. Yeah. When and we it, were in, um... it was like, Kelly Lemon is the greatest human being. And it was like, at the time, she didn't know what she was doing, but she was literally being like, Cheats, you ain't really shit. Like, I talk to you all the time. Like, <laughs> Kelly Lemon. Damn, son. Good. We were good then. But look, the first time. It was time, like, Kelly Lemon's the greatest. I'm going to stop her down in a, in a parking lot or somewhere. Well, the, <laughs> it was some weird shit. The first, time you, the first time you came up to me, I think you were like totally amazed that I gave you my phone number. Like, yeah. And I was like, all right, girl, hit me. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's up? What we doing? You know what I'm saying? So, no, that's dope. That's dope. Did she use the number, though? She did. She texted yeah, me. Oh. And, and she. And, and you were it's going, like, I, I, I was busy. I bet she but, text me first, being but, like, I talked to Kelly Lemon. But I think you were, you were going through some things. I think we were both kind of going through some things at the time. And um, we just haven't, we still need to, you know, connect and hook up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, was, girl, bye. <laughs> now, Jess, how did you, come here, Jess. You can talk. Jess, how did you meet Kelly Lemon? Oh, I remember Jess's. I don't, I don't know Yeah. It was you, Ray, Cam, all the part-timers were in the conference room and y'all were talking about the part-timers about to take over and y'all asked me to take a picture for Instagram. That was the first time I met you. Oh, yeah, I wasn't going to put it there. The first time we connected, drums, uh, Sam Miller's yeah. homecoming. Yeah. That was when we connected, connected. Yeah, and yeah. we started doing our little dinner thing and... No, you don't want to go back to, um, oh, to, um, to, um, to, um, when you were really, when you were, um, uh, what was, Stone Soul. Stone Soul. Yeah, Stone Soul. I think that's like the first time like I could say, okay, that's Jess. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I don't remember that because I didn't even do Stone Soul my first year. Yeah, but I, I did Stone Soul. Like, you came back. Yep, you came back. back. Mm-hmm. Stone Soul. Yep. Are you happy? That was a great story, Jess. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I talk all the time. Ladies and gentlemen. I it's, okay. it's, I will say this. It's crazy now. Like you know, when we when when we go to Art of Noise and and sometimes I just want to be in the crowd. Sometimes I just want to party with everybody else. And you did quite a bit of partying on Sunday night. I did because you felt you were you were you were feeling I, great. Once I got back on stage, <laughs> yeah. Once I got back on stage, because and and it's and it's no disrespect to anybody, but you know I, I don't I don't like the whole can we take a picture? Can you know? Oh my God, it's Kelly Lemon. This one girl cried, and I was like, Why are you? What are you doing? She like, Jackson, you? Yo, she yeah. did. Oh, you glamoured her. She, she did, and, and I and I, and I to me, I just I'm I am I feel like 
I live on Northside. My Ultima is a lease. I got, you know what I'm saying? Like, I need somebody to cut my trees and my grass right now. I don't have a job. I watch the zeros go down in my bank account. So, like, to cry over me is a little excessive a little bit. Yeah. That makes your head like, and I don't like it. I just don't like it because I feel like I have a lot of humility in me and I and it and it bothers me. I ain't gonna lie. It does bother me. This is what we're gonna do. Because we're not gonna cry. We're no. gonna we're gonna we're gonna end the crying. But we are gonna come back. We're gonna take one last break with Kelly Lemon. We're mm-hmm. gonna come back and really just talk briefly about what she's got going on yeah. right now. We're gonna have to do like six parts of this because we didn't yeah. get to nearly. I'm sorry, all y'all. The that's things. why I said stop me from rambling. All, no, 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 no. This is all good. This okay. is all good. We just didn't get to. There's so much more to this story that we could. And I kidnapped tell. Asia too. And with that said, <laughs> we've got a very, very, very special interviewer about to play uh, when we come back from break. Hot 97's own, ESPN's own, Ebro in the morning zone, Peter Rosenberg. We got to talk to him. Uh, last week, and we're going to put it up. It was just an interesting interview about his journey, what he's doing now, and how he balances these things. So we're really excited. We're at 804 RVA. And then we've got also a very, very special sneak preview off the new album from our good friend, AGM Zone, Michael Millions. He's in the building as well. So we're going to come back, and we're going to talk. Is New York in the house? Say what now? I'm about to get my man, do wop is my man, for the whole New York fan, check it out, in New York City, which is a big fucking town, we got five different grams, you got the Manhattan, the Boogie and Satin, Brooklyn where niggas don't say good looking, the outer situation is the fucking strong out, Connecticut and Jersey kids be getting wild style, the place I'm from in particular is Queens, Sensation Foundation, M.O.'s to get green, ride ride niggas come to in the wild when that ass fucks up and gets bust to the ass. But God bless the chap, get a child strong. I'm about to break it down, it won't be break long. You got a story up in the corona. Question where there ain't too much chat or discussion. Queensbridge, where niggas live how they live. Jamaica is my grounds, I keep it positive. And a nigga from Queens got a lot to give. I'm on that Bobby Brown shit, my prerogative. Q-Burrow unity is not derogative. A Queensbred MC, they can run they gym. To your West Coast haters, we will bust your shit. This is how it is, you get blown plus stick. Check it, I denote that I denounce. All y'all whack niggas like the squad, y'all better bounce. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm going to keep it real with y'all. I had to hijack the podcast for a second. Yeah. Do your thing, you know do your thing. I had to take control. Kelly got me feeling empowered in here, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, this one is for our female listeners because you know we we don't have a lot of powerful women you know um bless us with their presence so i have to take full opportunity of this and you know i I really want to ask you how do you exude such excellence but you know i just i don't think you really realize and understand how how much you impact and how much of an inspiration you are to not only women in general, but especially women of Richmond, you know? And it's like, you make it seem so effortless and so easy, and I know it's probably not. And me and Jess gripe about this sometimes, but you know, in a male-dominated industry, we have a lot of struggles sometimes, you know? And um, with it being heavily 
I guess, relied on aesthetics and things like that. How do you, or can you give women advice on how you move throughout the industry and how do you overcome roadblocks such as, I mean, we keep it real. When you, when you maneuver a lot through not only Richmond, but I guess the industry in general, and being a woman, it's hard. Especially being an attractive woman, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, it's hard. Unattractive. It, it, unattractive, you're right. Ugly, look good. I mean, it's it's hard. Talk about myself. Girl, bye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> but I mean, uh, how do you overcome these obstacles when you try to get business done? Because you do so much and you execute things so well. How do you get over the roadblocks of the sexism and you know a lot of guys? You know what I'm saying. They want to introduce kind of sexuality into business transactions and and things like that. How do you overcome such? Yeah. Um, So I grew some balls. Mm. And I had to do that because at 22, I started working directly into VCU athletics. I sat at a table with all white men. um, And I would put my ideas out there. And the next week, the idea was somebody else's and it was put into existence mm. um i also went to i got my master's from vcu out of the um the vcu it was called the sports center at that time but i think it's vcu uh center for sports leadership um and the president of the nfl players association came down and said if you want to be in this industry you have to be able to take the sexism that comes with it i mean she held mm. no bars and at that time i think a little red light came you know flashed in my mind that said, all right, I got to be one up from all these guys. If they come at me with something that's sexist, my response got to be even quicker than theirs. So like, I'll never forget this white guy was just like, girl, I'll be the best three minutes of your life. And I said, and you're, you you really probably won't be because you only got a minute's worth of you. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And so Shots and, fired. And when, and their, your, their whole attitude changed, you know what I'm saying? Like when you had a response and you didn't show that you were weak, then everything kind of went out the, out the door and it was like, all right, well, let's go get a beer. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and then, as I said before, you have to almost create your own opportunity separate from the guys. Um, and, you know, it's hard to do, but it's not hard to do, especially with the power of women in Richmond right now. Like I said, we're building our own table, we're pulling our own seats up, and we're doing what we want to do. So um, when 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 they look at you other than what your qualities are, and they're just looking at you surface, you already know those are the ones you're not fucking with. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. so you kind of go around them, and they'll they'll get it. They'll they'll understand. You know, um, you don't really need them. You know what I'm saying? Somebody else will help you. Somebody else will lift you. Somebody else will ignore that that quality. And I think that being strong, you know. Now, I will say this. There was a time where I was a little bit too much. Um, and uh, my dad, actually, I was at Lowe's one time. And the, the, guy, the, the guy that was in the hardware section, he pissed me off. And I went after him. And my dad was like, I, if you love me, you can't do that. Because if he does something to you, then I got to kill him. And you don't want me to be in jail, do you? And I had to think about that. I was like, all right, I am not as strong as everybody else is. You know, a guy spit in my face one time um, because I said something. I I popped off at him and he spit in my face. And I was kind of like, yo, he could have hit me. 
he spit in my face, but he could have hit me. Um, and so, again, to be strong, to be, you know, very, very, you know, affirmative on what you feel and what you say, and then just know it's not always going to happen, you're not going to die. You know what I'm saying? I used to say that to my students all the time. When they would come to me with stuff, I'd be like, yo, but you're not dead, though. You know what I'm saying? So you're going to have those roadblocks that are not going to kill you. Those roadblocks are just going to open up the next door. So okay. that's that's how I look at it, and that's how I see it. And, you know, also, you know, surrounding yourself with some dope dudes, some dudes that really appreciate you and, and will stand up for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I appreciate my crew all day because, like I said, they're like, let me handle it. You know, and I'd be like, I got it. But they got your back enough to let, you know, to make sure they know you're not the one to fuck with. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <coughs> well, I didn't think you could put any more on your plate, but apparently you have. I, I hear about a new business venture coming up. Yeah, so um, along with, um, I started Like the Fruit LLC. That's kind of like my hosting, you know, event stuff. Um, that you know I've kind of been doing Virginia Museum of Fine Arts has kind of reached out for us to do some some after hour stuff we were just at Lewis Ginter the other day non-traditional places are like finally saying whoa wait a minute what y'all doing black audience hey y'all nice to see y'all y'all spend money too you know um and so um it's dope to be able to kind of do events in, in those non-traditional places we got um I, I did the first uh, dinner on Blanc that a lot of people were at I'm, I'm glad that that's coming back to Richmond um for a second year but um, hopefully I get the keys to 304 East Broad Street um, and it will be a social cafe urban hang suite. When I say that, um, the front part will be kind of like a grab and go, coffee, everything will be loyal to local. So smoothies, sandwiches, Buddha bowls, um, you know, everything fresh and from, from Virginia. Um, um, yes, I will have some of those options because y'all gluten-free vegans and vegetarians, you know, they're, they're, they're a big market here. Yep. I do want to do a, a, a fresh produce stand there um, as well because in that area there is no, I mean, Kroger is the dedicated grocery store or you go to the market. Um, so I want to do something like that. But the back is like the ultimate chill spot. Like, so I just want y'all to come, um, get energized if you need to, plug in if you don't want to be energized, but it's a creative space. If there's a conversation that we're having, you know, there's nothing for y'all to jump in it. That's what the space is for. Like, so don't be mad when, you know, I get an idea off of something that me and, you know, y'all were having because that's what I want the space to do. So um, TVs, it will always have a DJ set up. Um, there will always be room for a DJ to spin bands, you know, we do TV nights, games, books, you know, anything arts, food, sports, and education is going to happen in the urban hang suite. I even want the architects to figure out a way that, like, we literally, you know, hang out in bunk bed type style loft stuff, something, you know what I'm saying? So um, I'm excited about it. Um, it's an extension of the brand. It's one step of the brand. And, you know, I I'm calling it an urban hang suite because I feel like it can go in different places. Um, so it will have a name. I'm 98%, I'll tell y'all off air, um, where I am with the name on that, but you won't be surprised when I say it. Um, but coffee will be the focus and just being able to hang out and be creative. So um, yeah, um, that's it. Excited. Yeah. Now I wanna touch a little bit about um, work-life balance. Yeah. Oh, cuz it's it's a it's a pain, it's a struggle especially for a lot of women, you know, who yeah. have families and um you know, home life to take care of. How do you balance your home life with so much that you have going on? Um I just started to appreciate the man that I have in order to do that. I just started to apologize to my friends 
um, because in my mind, everything was a yes. No matter what it was, it was a yes. Whenever you asked me to do it, it was a yes. It was a dollar to me. And once I stopped kind of chasing that and, and realized that my friendship and my family um, will be there till the end, some of that stuff started to fade away. So like, I literally now check with my friends to see if there's anything fun to do before I take a job. Or I check with my man to see whether or not there's any plans. Um, it was hard going out to dinner because I thought I had to speak to everybody. You know, like when we out eating, I'm hugging everybody saying, hey, and I'm looking at his face like, right, right. Can you sit down and let's eat? You know what I'm saying? So now when we're out, I don't go up to anybody. I don't, you know, I just, okay. I sit down and I eat. And if you talk about me, you talk about me. I just hope that you realize that it's, it's, it's a good time that, you know, we're having. Now, it's hard for him to go out to events because again, I'm that other Kelly Lemon mm -hmm. out, of, out at events. And he's kind of a private person, so um, he stays to the back and he lets me do my job and realizes it's a job. Mm -hmm. um, but as soon as we get in the car, <laughs> you know, he's like, all right, Kelly, let me turn it off. You know, turn it <laughs> off, we're done with her. So um, it's hard. I think that's why I don't have kids now. And that's what, you know, I put my career first. Um, I'm jealous of all my friends that are now having their kids in college. You know, like I'm thinking about the fact that I'm gonna be 60 plus, you know, with kids going to college, but I don't have any regrets either. You know, um, I'm, 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 I'm cool with it, but just pay attention to your friends and your family. And especially if you have a significant other, give them more than you give everybody else. Mm. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Your top five. All right, so the fellas, they, they, they making me ask you. Yeah. Top five. You know you got to give us your top five. We're talking dead uh, or alive. Dead or alive, right? Yep. <laughs> Look at her top face. five. I know. She does not love this question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because we talked about this, right? We did. Yeah. But did I give you mine? No, you, I gave you yours, and it was your show, so I respected the rules. <laughs> but now you're on our show. <laughs> <laughs> top five. You're separate. Yeah. You know. Yeah. This is no and, particular and, order. And I've never really had to answer this question because I only have a number one. Like, I oh, am. What? I am a Christopher Wallace fan all day. Yes. All day. I will rock out to him any mood, any anything. You know, if I had to put somebody else in order that I would actually listen to, then... Ugh. You gotta give us at least, and I'm not a, and, and this is and this is a problem. Remember we talked about Tupac being overrated, mm -hmm. um, yeah. but um, I never really I listened to Pac. I really don't. It's okay. I really don't listen to Jay Z. Uh, that's a problem. It's it's it's. Mm. Yeah. I really I really don't. That's a problem. Huh? Yeah, he's, he's great as well. Too. Yeah, oh. and and again, I I think yeah. Now now will I go back and rock? Um, you know, old Run DMC, will I go back and rock old Beastie Boys and, you know, like, like the true era? Like, will I put on LL Cool J? Like, I'm back, like, I'm, nobody can rap quite like I can. Like, you know, like, I will, I will go back all the way back there. But, you know, for, for fan favorites, all right, if I have to do it, then Biggie's number one always, then I'll do Jay-Z, then I'll do Nas. Um, then I will probably have to go with the woo, the the whole clan. Yeah, um, yeah. and we've, then we've talked about this. That's acceptable. Okay. Yeah, and then and then LL Cool J was my fa my first boyfriend rapper. So I'll I'll go there. Ladies and gentlemen, clap it up for Kelly Lemon's top five. Yeah, right, right. Yes. 
And ladies and gentlemen, yeah. clap it up for Kelly Lemon. She's got so much stuff coming, man. You just got to be Thank right for I appreciate it. And shout outs to y'all for keeping it dope and different in the city. Um, like, for real, this is what is changing Richmond. So. The Control Freaks. Ladies and gentlemen, we're joined by a very special call-in guest. We're so excited about this. Uh, you've probably heard him on Hot 97. You've probably heard his podcast, Juan Epstein, with Cypher Sounds. You've probably heard him on ESPN now under WWE. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, Peter Rosenberg. Thank you very much, Mark. Appreciate you having me and going through my long list of random things that I do. Well, we're going to get into that because... I thought I knew the majority of the jobs that you did, and it only took me literally a couple of seconds of research to realize that I don't know the half of all the hustle and the work that, and the jobs that you currently have, not to mention the work that you put in to get there. So I want to start with, you've been very successful turning your passions into a career, uh, and a lot of people say that they want to do that, but not all of them are as successful as you are being able to to do that. How, like when you look back over where you are now and just kind of look back how you got there, how have you? What characteristics how have you been able to turn your passion into your career? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I, I I really think ultimately it was just belief, um, and not in a religious way, more just in a confidence way um in a you know a, a way that you always know how you feel about something and if you know that you have an incredible passion for something and you know that it's real no one can actually question it you know there's no there, there's there's nothing can truly stop you because you know ultimately what you're capable of and i always believed that i was a good talker that i was a pretty polished talker and and I had these specific passions that I really I mean that are that are really authentic and um, so yeah so what can get if you if you know you're able to, to talk or whatever your skill set may be and you know you believe in the things that you talk about um, why not and that, that was always sort of the way I looked at it and so far it's kind of gone that way well let's talk about some of those particularly in specifics Early on, first and foremost, hip-hop uh, is a passion that you've turned into just a, uh, just an you know, all-over-the-place career for you. Um, talk to us about, I, I think it started as DJing, right? It started, you turned a DJ into more of an on-air personality. But talk to us about the early yeah. days of kind of your involvement with hip-hop, how you fell in love with it, and then fast-forward a little bit to how, like, you really started to become a career for you. 
Well, yeah, I mean, the short of it is I uh, I DJed as a kid when I was 14. I saved up and bought turntables. I was super into hip-hop back then. Uh, from I was into hip-hop from around 89, 90. You know, I was aware of it previous to that, but, you know, by 91, 92, I was very active and into it myself. Um, and And then by the time I got to high school, I was already considered, like, the guy in school who knew a lot about hip-hop, and I was always really into it and was up on everything, bought turntables, saved up, got a job, and that was my thing for several years. The whole time, I'm also into radio. I enjoyed radio. We take trips to New York. I listen to Fun Flex on the radio, and I was like, man, this is for me. And um, so it started, it started like that with hip-hop, just really a passion for the music and a commitment to it, and at that time, you know, it wasn't a time where hip-hop was necessarily utterly available, like, everywhere, so you had to put in actual time, like... Right, it was, I mean, it was, it was niche, right? I mean, it was still, I'm from Virginia, so I know you're from around the, the, in the, in the Maryland area, but it was not as universally pop culture as it is now. No, not even close. I mean, listen, I was definitely not the only person like me into hip-hop, you know, that's an exaggeration. Uh, right. People think that it's terribly unique. But um, I'll put it this way, like, uh, you know, it, it just was. It just wasn't everywhere. It wasn't. You, you had to put in, you had to put in time and effort. Um, and so as a result of putting in that time and effort, I developed a reputation of being like, oh, what's that? you know, oh, you, you have it, you heard of a new song? Ask, ask Peter, he'll know what it is. <laughs> and... That, that sort of became who I was in a very small circle as a kid. And, you know, years later, that, that never went away. When I went to Maryland, that reputation stayed. The reputation of Peter is the guy who really knows, you know, more than the average about hip-hop. And um, that was sort of my calling card for a long time, getting into the, uh, into the music and the culture. And has that, uh, honestly, fast forward to today and tell me, has that still maintained? Because especially with your show Real Late, there's still a sense for you that independent hip-hop artists, up-and-coming hip-hop artists, you're still kind of the go-to guy of anybody else, even at a place like Hot 97, to be like, hey, if Rosenberg's up on this. Yeah, I've kept it. I've kept the reputation, um, and to a, I think, but... You know, in my heart of hearts, I think I feel different. You know, I I don't feel as up on it as I used to, which is a weird thing to acknowledge and get used to. But the fact of the matter is, you know, 28-year-old me who got to New York City and was just trying to do anything and put on everyone is different than 38-year-old me with three or four jobs and... You know, my number one job at Hot being to entertain people on the morning show every day. Mm-hmm. You know, your, your priorities change, um, and that's just the nature of the beast. So uh, I don't think my now. I think there are a lot of there are kids out there who certainly know much more about new hip hop than I do. But I will say that I've I've kept my ear, and I've kept my I've kept my um, my authenticity. I've never. I've never started playing stuff I didn't want to play. I've always played a really diverse mix on Sunday nights of ranging from really underground 
to much more commercial, but it's new, like the new commercial stuff. So I've, I've always kept, I've stayed in the lane that I'm happy with. I'm still proud of how the show sounds. I still think I'm up. I still think I'm, I'm generally speaking, I am still often the first person to give someone a commercial radio spin. Right. That still happens to, that still happens right now. Um, it's, and that's got to be I a crazy feeling. I don't think I am. Well, that's got to be a crazy feeling. I mean, we've, um, you know, when when we started this podcast at your own noun, we we credited three or four other kind of entities, right? And one of them was Stretch and Bobito, and obviously, you know, their career has been what it is. If you're really racking your brain for, I think I read an article about the first times you were coming up to New York City, and it was like, oh, Red Alert, uh, you know, in those shows. Uh, there's not a lot of places for a real late, right? There's not a lot of places for a show like that. Uh, do you think? Do you think there's still a place? Uh, I know you have one, but do you think there's still a place for those kind of groundbreaking shows for independent artists? Uh, not many. Not many. I mean, that <laughs> makes it a really cool gig, honestly. Right. How many? How many commercial stations at this point have a slot that they give? You know to someone and just say, go ahead, play whatever you want. We trust you. That, that doesn't happen very Never often. Happens. Um, so the fact that I'm able to, to do that is a, is a blessing. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode of the Cheatsman Family Podcast is brought to you by 804 RVA. 804 RVA is located at 1657 West Broad Street in Richmond, Virginia. It is the next generation of work. It is a place for freelancers to co-work. 804 RVA is passionate about transforming the way people work and encouraging a culture of collaboration and innovation. To learn more about the people, the co-workers, and everyone at 804 RVA, please visit their website at www.804rva.com. And ladies and gentlemen, we are back with Peter Rosenberg, and we're going to jump right back into it. I want to take it going into this direction because everyone, and I mean everyone, including me, who you're talking to right now, does a podcast these days. Um, but one of the first podcasts that I ever really picked up on and listened to religiously was Juan Epstein. And I think in my mind, you can tell me if you think this is accurate because it's probably not, but in my mind with all the talks of all the other podcasts and who's doing this, I feel like Juan Upstein is actually more underappreciated today than it's ever been. Um, tell tell me a little bit about like how you and Syph and everyone like that podcast 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 game. Excuse me. I, I think you guys were in on it early and doing some really revolutionary stuff, classic interviews, super early. Talk about how it started, and then talk about how you feel about like the podcast space right now. Well, I mean, it, it started because, uh, you know, me and Syph were put together to start working on, on what would eventually become a morning show. And so I suggested we do a podcast to, to get to know each other better and, you know, work out our, our chemistry. And, um, you know, this is back in 07. Super early. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there was not another hip-hop podcast yet. There was yet to be... Um, any other podcast that anyone knew of where the theme of the podcast was hip-hop. Um, and that's what this became, you know, because that was our only bond. 
it wasn't that we even set out to be like, let's do a hip hop podcast, but like, that's what we talked about because that's that's what we really had in common. And um, you know, it went on to really do really awesome stuff. And uh, I I I feel very much that this entire hip hop podcast genre was. I don't think there's anyone out there who does a hip hop podcast who doesn't know that Juan Epstein was the first and uh, sort of set a tone for what it could be. Um, it's a very, uh, I'm, I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud of, of what we did and the episodes we got, the interviews that happened, um, and just sort of the vibe of the show was special and, and, and lives in a special place. All right, so now do you, again, like I was saying, am I, am I accurate and I think that, is it possible for a show, it's kind of like saying... Uh, a Frank Thomas or a Barry Bonds or somebody's underrated, but is it is it fair to say that we think Juan Epstein is underrated? Oh uh, yeah, well it's inherently underrated because the time in which it existed, the audience for podcast was, I mean, maybe a hundredth of what it is now. Right. You know, so it's inherently underrated. You know, so now you know if Rap Radar gets a Jay Z interview and it's put up on title you know, and et cetera, et cetera. The audience for that is so much bigger than when we had Jay-Z on six years ago. Which was a classic, um, it was a classic, even at that time it was a classic get, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's it was quite a moment. I, I don't know, I haven't I haven't heard the Rap Radar one in full yet to, to try to compare, but, right. you know, it was a special conversation. It was the first time, you know, we really went in depth on his hip hop roots and his old, like sort of the old school Jay Z uh, sensibility that we all know is in him. We really were able to talk about that. It was special. It was really special, um, and I'm super proud of it. But yeah, the audience for it was inherently smaller. I mean, no one then even knew how to subscribe to a podcast. Like, <laughs> you no, know, it just it just it just was a totally different format in terms of how people treated it. No regular person then. You basically, at that time, had to sort of be a bit of a computer nerd to listen. <laughs> That's crazy. And that That's has, crazy to that think has, that way. But it's true. It's true. It's just crazy to think about 10 years ago where we were with what you guys were doing. Yeah, now now any like 15-year-old girl could be listening to a podcast. Back then, you had to be like, it feels like it was all men in like their 20s was the, were the only people who were able to listen to podcasts. That's how it felt back then. And, and let me ask you about this because one of the things that stands out about the way that you guys did that podcast was it was indeed kind of an in-depth journey and appreciation under the surface look at it. Not, I mean, any of the artists you talked to, it was you learned more about that artist in that set period of time. And, and, just talk about that approach, because you could have easily made it a radio-type show. You could have played a bunch of tunes in there, you know what I mean? But you guys really went in-depth and uncovered, you know, these just, like, a whole journey of somebody's career in a relatively short amount of time, especially some of the people you're talking about. Was that always kind of a goal to just be like, we're just going to kind of get completely under the surface? Yeah, I mean, that was just naturally where it went because of the kind of fans that Sife and I were and are of hip-hop. So, you know, we always had a deep history with the music we were discussing. 
So it just went there. I was like, well, what would we want to hear? We want to hear the, you know, the real nitty-gritty on these artists. So it just sort of organically happened that way, honestly. What Now, when we go back, because I will tell you, it's, it's hard to find. Look, any 15-year-old girl can, can listen to a podcast, but to find all the Juan Epstein archives, I feel like it's hard. <laughs> it's not easy. Very good. <laughs> that is a very, very good point. Um. What are some of the interviews that stood out to you? Just that, just kind of, I don't know, Rakim or like, you know, like what are some of the ones that you just was like, I didn't expect that, and that's going to stand out for for a long time for me. Well, you know, Rakim was the last classic. That that'll that'll be known as probably the last, you know, truly iconic one we ever pulled where people went, oh shit, they got Rakim. I feel like that was the last one like that, but. You know, prior to that, the ones that really made people go, like, oh, my gosh, was, you know, Jay-Z, of course. Um, Eminem, of course, was a big one. You know, we had Kane. We had Big Daddy Kane before he'd ever done any sort of interviews like that. Wow. Um, cool G-Rap. Um, we had two episodes with Marley Marl. Um, man, uh, it, it really, I, I don't, not to be that guy, but it really does go on and on. There's, yeah, yeah. You know, and then there and then there are ones that like don't even you know are completely off the map when it comes to don't have anything to do with hip hop. We have you know we have Patrice O'Neill's uh, last interview. Right. Um, we have uh, maybe MCA's last interview. Um, Word. We have John Cena and Mike Tyson and Floyd Mayweather. Um, I mean, it's. I don't know. I don't know if anyone with a hip-hop... I truly don't know if anyone with a hip-hop, this sort of lane, will ever will ever match what our guest list was. I just I don't know if it's possible, based on the fact that we were based at Hot 97 at the time that we were. We, had, we were afforded access to so many great guests. You know, even if you're a really big-time podcast, it's hard to book. Um, and we were able to get stars from all over the map simply because we had tons of people come to the station. Right. No, I mean, that's just opportunity, taking advantage of those opportunities, but you guys did it really well. I mean, classic, right. classic. Well, now, and so, yeah, obviously you talk about the show in the past tense. Is it, um, is, that, is that something, obviously, you're doing a lot of different things, Sykes doing a lot of different things. Uh, is it kind of like one of those things with uh what was it what was the 30 for 30 i just saw mike and the mad dog is it something like annually you guys will come back together and maybe do a live show or something yeah I, we i would like to figure out what that's going to be you know my guess is it will be it will be something i just don't know yet what that will be and me and Sai's schedule are both really difficult so it'll take a little bit of work i'm not gonna lie right but um yeah, I would like it to be even more than that. Like, you know, maybe quarterly, something like that. So, like, there's still some sense of regularity. Well, now that I see uh, Stretch and Bob back on NPR after so many years, I'm always going to hold out hope that <laughs> that there's something. I don't, you know, maybe not now, like timing is everything, but maybe whenever it'll be an opportunity for Wad Epstein to make some, some triumphant returns, whatever form it's in, right? Like, it's... It could well, be that's a great different. point. I mean, if Stretch and Bob could come back after damn near, I mean, generations of hip-hop went by sure. while they were gone. So, I mean, you never know if, if that was possible. Um, so, 
Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely think we will do work again. Um, what level of regularity that is, what it looks like, I'm not sure. But there will be something and again, I, I have no doubt. So let me jump to to the opportunities that you seize today, right? Like you're, you're always talking about, again, kind of timing and having the right opportunities. One of the opportunities that you've had right now, and I first was shocked. Like I was, uh, so in Richmond, ESPN Radio, the only thing I have is like XM ESPN Radio. And I think there was a couple of SVP Rosillos where there might have been a, a, a Peter Rosenberg drop in. But then I turned on, I want to say the weekend, and it was like, an ESPN Peter Rosenberg show. So talk to me about the opportunities that you have right now with, with ESPN and, and how that's all come together. Well, you know, it was really cool. I, um, my, my agent, I signed with an agency several years ago, and, and once I got with my agents and they were really believed in what I did and, like, saw opportunities different places, and they basically were like, hmm, you know, I think you'd make sense with ESPN. And I was like, sure. You know, ESPN's obviously going through a lot of changes, as everyone knows, and, and those changes started a few years ago, um, even though people didn't seem to fully realize it until the, the mass layoffs ago. But those changes have been for a few years, and they they thought that, you know, they were like, hey, we think Rosenberg can make sense here, and, and people there felt the same way. And did you but see that? Up- did you see that at the time? Did you were like, yeah, this makes sense? Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, I, I think any time me talking – Again, about things that I'm interested and passionate about, I think I can do a good job of. You know, I, I don't. I know I can be entertaining on whatever, and passionate um, and thought provoking. I hope on on anything I'm passionate about. And you know, I love sports. You know, I don't. I don't. I don't on myself off as some like you know freak um, knowledge guy like. Uh, like a you know even Francesca was regarded for you know early on. I'm not right. that. I'm just an entertaining person who's passionate about sports. And um, so they ended up finding a spot for me on ESPN New York. Um, You know, there's a full-time, like, local New York station here. That's one of ESPN's three local radio stations that they own. Right. um, That are, like, you know, fully programmed by ESPN. And uh, they put me on on there, on the Michael K. show, and just saw really good feedback right away, numbers-wise. Like, they saw I'm having an impact, which... Isn't that surprising, considering I've been on in the market for 10 years? <laughs> right, so, um, right. Go, like, surprise. People know your voice. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, again, it's not rocket science, but I think it was cool that they thought of it, and obviously I'm pleased that I've delivered and that, you know, people have, the show's grown since I got there. It's awesome. And then that led to other stuff, like, hey, come do Sports Nation. Come do Rosillo. Come do First Take. Come do, you know, and, and things just sort of pop up, and, uh, I jump in where I can. So, so is there a big difference coming from a radio station like Hot to going to Bristol or, or where? I mean, obviously you're in New York on the you know Michael K show that's that's local, but even just seeing the operation, was there an adjustment period for you? Is there things that even after so many years on the radio, you were like, man, this is different? Oh yeah, I mean, it definitely felt different. I'm not going to sit here and lie. I I felt prepared for it just because I'm kind of a student of the game and listen a lot and have known what things would probably feel like and I've always I've always pretended to sort of be like oh I could do this but I'm not going to say it doesn't feel different it does like you walk into Bristol and you see that campus and you see those letters and <laughs> the names and the, and the faces in the hallway and and, and then you, you know you you realize that you're different and people here some don't know you 
some know you and can't believe you're there. You know, it's a different it's a different thing. But there's no doubt that it is a different thing, and uh, you you can't get overwhelmed by the moment. Again, back to that belief. You have to believe that's what you're supposed to be doing. And if you believe like not, this is what I do, then everything works out. Or so far, where do you see yourself with? I mean, just moving forward in in kind of expanding. Uh, yourself and expanding with ESPN, like when you're saying, like when you talk about, uh, you know, you talk about sports, you're talking about on a range of sports, um, just a lot of diversity there. A lot of people kind of have a niche, whether it's NFL, NBA, obviously your background in, in, in WWE, and that actually has a more prominent place in ESPN than some places, but where, where do you see kind of the opportunities going with, uh, with you know, ESPN and, and doing your own sports show? You know, I'd be lying if I said I was totally sure. Mm -hmm. I'm not in this case. I'm not exactly sure where this story goes. And do I end up becoming, you know, someone who does something with a particular sport? Like, I love talking football. Is, is that a way that I'm utilized? Or, you know, am I someone who's just like, does a show that's very general, like an interview-based show that has a theme in sports. Um, do I end up doing a lot more wrestling? I, I really, I'm, I'm not fully sure. Like, it's a place that is clearly in flux right now. There are a bunch of new shows starting, um, and I think I'm sort of part of the next wave, not this one, not this first one that we're seeing right now. I think I'm sort of part of the next one. So my, my thought is just, like, keep being ready when you get the phone calls to pop up and, and kill it and see where it goes. Like, I'm not putting all my eggs in that basket. So, you know, it's one thing if, like, I really feel strongly about knowing what you want to do. But at the same time, not you don't necessarily treat every, every gig the same way. And ESPN is one that I love doing and I think could really blossom into more. But I'm not putting every egg in the basket, so I, I don't know exactly where it plays out. I'm kind of in this. In the case of this one, I'm sort of along for the ride. Let's see where it goes. That's a that's a good place to be, though. <laughs> when you talk about opportunity, it's a good place to be, right? That having the flexibility. Yeah, I mean, there. listen. For as, for as much as people have critical things to say about, um, as much as people have critical things to say about ESPN, they still generate a lot of money, a lot of viewers, and do quite well. Yeah. <laughs> Let me. All right, I'm gonna. I'm gonna get you out of here. But I, what I want to do, because again, you do so much. We haven't even really touched on the your passion for WWE and how that's translated into a whole bunch of opportunities, um, and it continues to this day, even with stuff on the WWE Network. Where do you? One of the best things I heard in regards to kind of really niche things like WWE or if you're looking at MMA to an extent boxing but not the same is if you want to be mainstream you have to do mainstream things and I think that was coming from Vince McMahon or someone that was talking about how he was going to position the future of the WWE and I mentioned now you go to home pages of legitimate sports media outlets and they've got a WWE section you know, you've seen kind of the transition uh, of the WWE and you follow it really closely for such a long time. Is it as mainstream? Do you think, like, wrestling in general is kind of as mainstream as it's going to be? Because it's really mainstream right now. I, I don't know if it's as mainstream as it's going to be, but it's, it's the most mainstream it's ever been. So, like, 
even when it was huge in 1987 and 88 and kids were obsessed with it, it still was by adults considered like a very fringe kind of weird or like, oh, you're into that stuff kind of thing. Even in the Attitude Era, when it exploded and college kids were felt very into it, still in terms of the mainstream media and adults, it still had a bit of a weird connotation. This is the first time, I believe, where like mainstream outlets of all variety have people working there that are very into it, as, and as a result, you know, show love to it. So I, I think it really has, I mean, literally... You know, ESPN, Sports Illustrated, CBS, The Ringer, um, Rolling Stone, GQ. Right, just everywhere. I mean, every outlet has a Bleacher Report. Every outlet has a wrestling fan. Everyone. So, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's the most accepted it's ever been so far. It could go further, but definitely the best so far. What was your favorite uh, era? You mentioned, like, you know, 88, 87. I'm sure Starcade and all that was really big. Um, you mentioned the Attitude Era. There was the, obviously the, the WCW, WWE uh, wars. Is there a period when you look back and say, that was, like, that was the best time I can remember? For the actual wrestling, not well, the popularity. I mean, I mean, listen, for, for me, you know, the time that made me a fan and that it will always be sort of, in the happy place in my heart is is the late 80s. That will always be like, but that was more about my age, I think, than it was about the product itself. Um, you know, but being a kid when Hulk Hogan was the man, it was awesome. It was a really, really great time. And, you know, Bret Hart was becoming a star and Savage was a star. And it was, it was incredible, and it's a part I still watch a lot. It's a part I have a lot of love for at time that I have a lot of love for. And In terms of the best wrestling, well, like, I can't believe how many good wrestlers are having matches. and how, I really think, like, the early 2000s was awesome, too. You know, I think 99, 2000, 2001, where, like, you look up on an episode of Raw, and it's like, you know, Kane versus Austin, The Rock versus The Undertaker. Triple H versus Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit versus Eddie Guerrero. It's like, whoa, there is a lot of talent on every week's shows. Right. So, in terms of best talent, I think it could be then. But, you know, uh, listen, this there have been week to week, you know, WWE, the shows are really good. But the pay-per-views these days have been really awesome. And I do have moments right now when I look at the roster and go, we may be looking at a very special time for the roster in terms of how much talent there is, both old and young. What's, what's easier for you, to name your top five MCs or your top five wrestlers? Uh, I think I think wrestlers. <laughs> there's, just, there's, just less, there's just a little less pressure. All right, let me, well, I won't ask for five, but do you have a, have a goat in each category? Who's the goat in each category? I mean, my you know my 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 two favorite wrestlers of all time are are Savage and Bret Hart. Okay, those are my those are my two absolute favorites. I think, but you know, I really do have a lot of people that I find amazing in other ways. Um, so I, there's, it's it's really it's, a, it's an endless slew of people that I think were just 
awesome, and I love watching. I love watching Owen Hart. I love watching Eddie Guerrero. Um, I love a lot of Hogan stuff. Sometimes I think Hogan gets a bit of a, uh, you know, people have a tendency to think, like, oh, his wrestling was so simple, but, like, the energy that he created was, was, was special, and the matches, of the big-time matches, like, yeah, week-to-week week his matches were a little boring, but when it came to the really big moments, he put on a good show. Um, I love Davey Boy Smith. Um, I love Booker T. I think Booker T is awesome. Um, you know, I love Andre the Giant. Uh, and I love I love a lot of people right now. I As love I Roman say, Reigns. I love Bray Wyatt. I love you named Tim all Heller. you named all of these people. And I just gotta say I'm a Flair guy. I grew up in, like Richmond, Virginia was NWA country back then. So like oh I mean I, I mean I, that and again that's why it's hard to do it. It's hard to do. Flair's in my top. Flair's top five for me for sure. I wa- I can watch Flair stuff endlessly. Um, Ricky Steamboat. Speaking of Flair, yeah, I can this watch is classic matches. So I mean, yeah. There's all. I mean, it really. It just. It just depends what mood I'm in. Now, you know? and now, sometimes I love watching early '80s Flair. Sometimes I enjoy watching Flair from like the early, you know, mid '90s. It, it just depends. This. It's a great art form that really is endless. The amount of great stuff that you can find, and the WWE Network is so awesome because you get to like revisit it all so much. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan, man. So switch over to the hip-hop side. Do you, is, is, I know you said it's harder, but do you, do you have someone that's undisputed that you've been on the record saying that's the greatest MC of all time or the most influential to me? Well, I, I've always said that Pun is like my favorite rapper of all time, and I thought maybe the best pure rapper of all time. Um, recently, I've said that I think Kendrick is in the conversation for best pure rapper of all time. Um, but, man, I, I love the greats. You know, I love... I absolutely love Pun. I do love absolutely love Kendrick, but I love Hove. Um, I love Rakim, Kane, Eminem, um, uh, Redman, um, Meth. I mean, no. yeah, the list could go on. The list could go on and on. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It, it, it's 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 pretty expansive. You know who I think is awesome and and whose music I have like. KRS, the artist that I have special memories with and that I really love. I mean, it's tons. It really is. It's tons. It's been a long run. And, and, for you've, and you've managed, and this is probably just a character to your personality and the way you've gone about your business, but obviously working in entertainment and across the board in general, you've kind of managed to keep a level and a reputation of being appreciative of the music and being a pretty nice guy. Uh, in regards to, there's obviously in entertainment, there's always artists are sensitive. There's always something that will strike someone the wrong way. But in, in closing, how have you managed to work so long, and you know, kind of have a reputation that you have, and 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 just really kind of stay true to the things that you've wanted to stay true to, and then obviously been able to expand. Like, how have you been able to maintain that? Because you see a lot of people. You've seen a lot of people whether it's hot or wherever that's come in, come out, come in, come out, has, you know, this artist doesn't mess with this person, this artist doesn't mess with this person, and you've been able to weather a lot of those storms. Um, I would say that it's being true to yourself. You know, I, I, honestly, it sounds really corny, but it's true. You'll never get called out. You'll never really have anything 
you'll never really get questioned or whatever um, if, if you're always being honest. Like, I've always, I'm never going to get up here and be like, oh, I, I like something that I don't, or I don't like something that I actually do. I just, I just keep it to who I am. And if you keep it to who you are, I really think that's it. People start falling apart once they get caught up in lies. And it's like, oh, you, I thought you were this kind of guy, that you're really this. But if you keep it real with yourself, and no one can call you out for anything if you're always true to who you are. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have to end it there. This is Peter Rosenberg. We really appreciate the time, man. Much, much success, continued success with all you're doing in the future. And we'll be watching, man. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it, bro. Right. Let's keep the joints burning. So let it be written. So let it be done. Right. You know I'm fresh off the block with it. Watch how I pop with it. Them other niggas is trying. Trust me, they not with it. They ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. This 804 RVA, clap it up. Yeah, we got it. We really do have to thank Peter Rosenberg for the time, man. It, literally, that interview was supposed to be five to eight minutes. And not only did he go five to eight minutes, he went over his time. He hung up, called us, called me back, and just had a really good chat. So Hot 97's own, ESPN's own now. He's got a lot of big things. WWE, he's got a whole bunch of things coming. Uh, and he's doing a whole bunch of stuff, and he didn't have to be as gracious with his time as he did. So ladies and gentlemen, clap it up for Peter Rosenberg. Yeah, yeah. Ebro in the morning. And now, this is going to be real quick. This is going to yeah, be real yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah. Only because we are going to have an extensive. I mean, I, he doesn't know this, but we're going to do this. We're going to have an extensive Cheats Movement podcast featuring the one and only Michael Millions when the new for album sure, project drops. Sure, sure. yeah, yeah. but, but we had to have him on now because the energy around Mike. And what he's been doing is amazing. I know you were just up in New York. Yeah. They yeah. everybody saw the picture online. You were at Double XL headquarters. Yeah. You did a performance. There's actually very, more to the story on that. Like, tell us that. All right. And then so tell I was us a special. Actually, performance. in New York to play at Steve Stout's ad agency. All right, just um, don't. All right, just go ahead and drop down some names. Clap it over nah, Steve nah, Stout. I just, no, I no, I just, I just happen to be yeah, at Steve Stout's agency. No, I don't. I don't have a problem dropping names because we <laughs> from here. You know what I'm saying? That's what's like, up. We, this is a D market for music. You know, and we make, I think, competitively some of the best music in the country for real. If Absolutely. Ever, we just exactly. here. So when I say like when we're going other places and we're recognized for our talents alone, this is very important to the city. You Big. Know? But that's why I was up there. Um, I, I played for uh, Steve Stout and his ad agency, um, and it just so happened Double XL knew I was in town. They heard the album was coming. Um, I have a. I, I would say I ha I've had a good relationship with a lot of blogs and a lot of publications like over the years but they they heard i was there i stopped by there they wanted to hear the album we played the album um i sat down with the deputy editor of uh double xl which was uh something new you know sometimes you don't really get a chance to talk to the main people that run a publication but it was a true honor to you know have her invite me through and sit down with them and run the album um i think this is probably one of the most important albums of my life um 
how we went about recording it and um, the uh, the people involved with it. Um, so it's not really a, um, I don't take it lightly and I, I'm glad people are gravitating to the the idea of me dropping the music, but it's really an important um, album for this city, for real, Richmond. Yeah. Not, not RVA, it's for Richmond. And you bought, <laughs> and you bought a single. Yeah, yeah, I sent you a couple of records. Um, and we're going to play one. Which one are we going to play? We're going to play Water. That's what? produced by Name Brand with the D'Angelo clear sample. Um, so we got, um, yeah, the, the album, I really would have brought the whole album. Uh, we're going to do that, spoil though. spoil it, but. Um, we're going to do yeah, that real yeah, soon. We got joints. We're going to do that real soon. Yeah. And, I, and, I, I, and tell us the name of the album because I know it's already. The album is called Hard to Be King. Hard to be king. Right. And, and it's not it's not me. I'm not saying I'm king, but I'm really just responding to uh, what what Kelly said earlier in the interview is the is what people see in you where you're just regular. You know, you I I, I don't work a nine to five. I, I do music all day, I engineer all day, I write music all day, but I go out into the street and I can't eat dinner, you know. I can't, you know, just walk into the spot without somebody saying, Hey, uh, Yo, you know, your music is getting me through life Or I'm going through this And I'm listening to this record And you're like, whoa Like, who who am I? Like, how, why do you look at me that way? You know, I look at other people that way But really, this is an album of, uh, About my response to it But I think it's a relatable topic You know, anybody that's good at anything You experience Different set of rules Different set of parameters That come with your life period you know and this album is about that so it's a real important album and it's good so on that note yeah we're gonna play the track water we're gonna close the show with the track mm. we gotta thank everybody that came through kelly lemon sure. yeah michael millions is here Where peter rosenberg's interview the whole Rosenberg. crew two years kb let me ask yeah two years two man. years man Two years. What, 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 shout out to Hip Hop Henry again. But real quick before we get out of here, before we play this track, two years, man. Think back, man. What, what, what are some of your memories? Um, we'll go around the line real quick. My, my favorite memories are the live shows we put on, whether it be Joe Button or the, the Gallery 5 joints. You know what I'm saying? You know what? Those are the dopest shows. October, we're not going to say much. We coming right back? We doing it again? We're not going to say much right now. Hey, we got to yeah. have a meeting after this, but October. Let's cook, man. Let's there's, cook. Some, there's, something, there's something that's in the works. Let's get something popping. Ladies and gentlemen, but, but two years, two years, Rich, what do you think? Uh, two years, you know, I'm usually like real funny about stuff like that. But I, I think there's been two years of being around great people such as you, KB, Hip Hop, Mentos, Gigi, Jess. And I mean, it's just, it's just great. I love rocking with y'all I really do appreciate you bringing me into this because it was just Xbox all day and a lot of hip hop <laughs> yeah Rich is uh, Rich is real famous now too no I'm yeah. not Rich is hard to be yeah, yeah. Rich is like the king yeah. it's hard to please, be king please it's hard to be king yeah, please no Rich is no. that guy now Rich He's is that guy, guy now two no, years GG two years you were there episode one that's right Snap Michael Millions was there early too Michael Millions might have been there episode two or three yeah. you were episode yeah. one one or two. As an overcoach. Yeah, he, he, he was up there early. Yeah, he was, he was overcoach. Yeah, yeah. He definitely overcoached. Gigi, two years. Man, two years. It's really felt like two months, man. I feel like we got no, together. No, it felt like two years. No. Oh, my. <laughs> Fuck you trying to say, cheats? No, man. <laughs> nah, like, for real. Low-key a hater. I, I see. I see. 
Nah, but I mean, I feel like we got together, formed like Voltron. Like, I mean, we, our chemistry, I think, you know, I'm just me. I don't know, you know, what y'all think, but I, I feel like it's, it's magnetic. And I feel like we, we, we just doing a lot of, lot of dope things, man. And I, <laughs> I love you guys. Oh, yes. <laughs> Jess, you've been here for two years. What do you think now, Jess? You've been here for a year. <laughs> Thanks, Jess. <laughs> you know, we're trying. You're at the two-year anniversary show, Jess. I am. But no, um, I have to shout out the Cheese Movement because this was like one of the first platforms that respected my creativity back. They weren't just taking from me. They also were giving into me, and they were actually respecting my ideas like oh, I think so-and-so is dope or I think this is dope or I think maybe I should try to do this thing and the fans always have my back like always have my back before I even knew hip-hop like really was even on the show like that I was taking pictures but like one of my first shows like hip-hop came and when I joined I was like you were at the show he was like yeah you you rock it with cheese, right? And I was just at the time just just taking pictures. I still just take pictures. <laughs> no, just does not. I get to be up sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I will say on the way out, like, I, I think of it like, I think a lot of it, like Kelly was mentioning earlier, I think more, much more about the things that don't go well than that go well. So if the things go well, like, it's just on to the next. But I really spend, but I think we've learned a lot um, about how to actually do, even to the level of podcasts that we do now, through all of the, this show doesn't sound like, episode one even the episode one was a great show <laughs> like, episode one was a good show but we i think we had our ups and like we've had our evolution in a very short amount of time from kind of happy to be here to literally everyone was wilding out drunk on yeah. the microphone to pulling it back and having a good uh i always uh, I, I mentioned this a lot i don't know if i mentioned uh the actual individual's name, but uh, my good friend, uh, AGM affiliate as well, Radio B, clap up for radio, if he's listening. Radio. He was one of the first people when we were really getting out of hand with the show, where he was like, like, yo, cheats. Like, you know, he was like, I love what you're doing, but the show sometimes is really hard to listen to. And it was, and it was because no, my no, but but it was a it was a universal thing. I think everybody that listened to the beginning, all the, whoa, you good, you good. Everyone that listened all the way through could tell when we really got out of hand. At the, it was probably around the end of year one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wild out a little bit, you know. It's like, but but I, I I say I say that all to say that uh, you know. I think that where we are now, season two especially, of uh, everybody that's helped us out between Brewers Cafe, Ido 4, VA, all the great guests we've had in season two, I think we really, and we start to see kind of the evolution of the show. And so wherever the show goes and wherever we go with it, um, it's not just about kind of this podcast now. And it's about what KB is doing, what Rich is doing, what hip hop is doing, what Jeff, so Mentos, RT, you know, everybody, Justin, as everybody that helped us out all along, all along the way, uh, I think we build off of the success of our community. And so that's what gets me excited about what has happened. I don't know, never, like, you, you, tomorrow, what we've learned, if you've learned anything about Richmond real quick, we know that tomorrow's never promised, no matter what circumstances you're in uh, and what you're doing. So we just got to make that count. So I think we've been trying to do that. 
Uh, until next time, though, ladies and gentlemen. We see it. We see it. See it. Just fall in my lap Feeling like Chance the Rapper Just need me a sack Funeral light processions The suits is all black It's what I do's to the death You know it's a fact You need to verse I needs me a stack I'm out your iPhone Sounding like my shit's on wax Relevant in every quarter Thoughts turn to dollars Like wine out of water